Hello and welcome to Small Town BS episode one. First of all, welcome to the show. Appreciate you supporting local podcasting efforts. My name is Zach Bellman. I'm an associate editor for the Triple County Times newspaper just north of La Crosse, Wisconsin. I have been writing about sports since I was a junior in high school, which was basically a decade ago. And uh, working in sports has taken me from the Milwaukee Journal Sentinel Sports Department as an agate clerk to a radio intern for WTMJ Sports Radio to here, where I primarily cover prep sports uh, in the Triplo County area, just north of La Crosse. So welcome to my podcast, Small Town BS. It's a podcast I've been wanting to start for a long time now, and I'm finally just going to go for it. Um, So today is Friday, January 24th. And to kick off the first ever episode of Small Town BS, I just wanted to talk about the Packers uh, retaining Mike Pettin and the moment I knew the Packers season was not going to end with the Super Bowl. It was well before the NFC Championship kicked off. We'll get to that. But first, Mike Pettin is back. And as we have uh, kind of been dealing with that news this week as Packer fans, you know, I was just kind of looking through the, the statistics from this past season and trying to get my head around... The feel obviously I had you know my own feelings and impressions from the season this year, but I was also just looking at the statistics and trying to get a, a sense for you know is this team improving? Obviously, year to year in any position on the staff or any player, you want to see that year to year improvement. And what I was able to gather was kind of interesting in a couple categories here. So, first of all, uh, looking back on uh, the 2019 season. Um, the Packers finished 18th in yards against or yards allowed, uh, 9th in points per game with 19.6 per game, uh, 4th in turnover differential with a plus 12 margin there, 15th in sacks with 41. They tied for the third most interceptions with 17, and 22nd in fumble recoveries with 7. Now, in 2018, uh, they finished an identical 18th in yards, which I thought was interesting. 22nd in points per game at 24.9 per game, and 19th in turnover differential with um, a plus one margin there, and 8th in sacks with 44. They finished tied for 30th in picks with only 7 on the year, and they tied for 15th with 8 fumble recoveries. I realize that was a lot of numbers, so I'll summarize that a little bit for you. They, they stayed the same in yards per game. They improved by 13 points or 13 spots in points per game, allowing nearly a touchdown less this year. Uh, they had more turnovers and fewer uh, three fewer sacks. So that's what the rankings say. But now let's get a little less mathematical and just talk wins and losses. Uh, including the playoffs, the Packers were 9-1 in one-score games this year. The one loss was to Philadelphia. And... You know, I'm not quite sure there's a metric for playing good situational football and making the stops when they're needed, but that really tells me a lot as far as this team's ability to rise to the occasion to get that third down stop towards the end of the game, get that turnover like the Adrian Amos interception in Chicago or the Kevin King interception against Minnesota the week after that. Um, You know, it seemed like this team got the turnovers that they needed to win games. And I think that is just such a testament to Petten's ability to prepare this team week to week, uh, to be able to rise to those occasions and make big plays. It's not just the number of sacks, turnovers, three and outs you get, but when you get them, and the Packers got them at the right times this year. So, and, you know, the other thing I was thinking about too as a, as a Packer fan is just how often 
have we as Packer fans been holding our breath at the end of the game when the game is in the defense's hands? I mean, it seems like, you know, this year we saw more of the other end of that where the offense either had chances late because the defense kept it close or they were, like I said, rising to that occasion, you know, taking that last scoring opportunity away uh, from the the other team's offense. You know, like I said, Chicago week one, uh, Adrian Amos comes up with that interception in the corner. Then both games against Detroit really uh, kept kept it close and allowed the offense to come up with that uh, game clinching drive. One interesting stat I saw about the I saw about the the Packers uh, games against Detroit this year is they led for exactly zero seconds of regulation in both of those games, but won both games because uh, Mason Crosby hit the game winning field goal with no time remaining in both games. So. And then uh, Minnesota, you know, in week two, Kevin King gets that pick, uh, and Zadarius takes over in week 16. So, you know, there were just times where individual players or um, the scheme just kind of set the Packers up for success defensively. So, I, you know, the, the people upset about the Mike Pettin situation and, and kind of, you know, wanting him gone, I I understand the gut feeling i understand you know i think there's just some bad blood there there's some raw feelings as far as you know packers defensive coordinators in recent years and you know are we putting this team in the best situation to win and i mean let's be honest they got completely run over by the the 49ers in the nfc championship game only having to throw eight times i mean that that is an embarrassing effort by the by the defense and you know i'm totally fine with Petten going into 2020 with, uh, you know, a little bit of a hotter seat, but to, you know, cut him after two years and have the Packers go into 2020 with their third defensive coordinator in three to four years here, I just, I don't think that is the most productive way to handle some of these young, talented players in this core that Brian Gutekunst, the GM, is building on the defensive end. I think there are definitely some players to build around in a, in a scheme that is improving. Uh, I think, you know, the points per game is a big stat and, you know, you know, couple, you couple the nine and one and one score games with the fact that this defense allowed about a touchdown fewer this year. I mean, there, there's your, there's your one score games right there. Uh, that's why, you know, this team was able to get a lot of those wins this season was to get that stop or get that last, uh, be in position by playing good situational football throughout the throughout the game to be in a position to take it at the end there. So, you know, I, I would caution Packer fans, don't let one game taint your view of this team and this defense. Because I I, I honestly think that the that the defense works well schematically with what the Packers are trying to accomplish as a team. And I, I feel like um other than perhaps the 2010 team that won the Super Bowl, uh, I, I haven't seen a Packers team in a number of years that has played so well together. And it seemed like, you know, we didn't need Aaron Rodgers to go off for four touchdowns uh, to, to win a game. I, I came up with a stat a few weeks ago when I was researching for our column that uh, the Packers, I believe, were 7-2 and two this season in games where Rodgers threw for less than two touchdown passes. So, you know, and I, and I believe in the six or seven years prior, there were something like 11-20 and 20, 
eleven twenty and one with one game being a tie, obviously with the Vikings a year or two ago. Um, but uh, you know, this is a team that is now built to win as a team, which I think is encouraging as a fan uh, to see things not purely on Aaron Rodgers' shoulders anymore because we are now in the twilight of his career and we've seen some physical limitations and some uh, some things that he is not quite capable of doing uh, as much anymore as he, as he could once upon a time. So, um, you know, to see that development as a team, I think is very encouraging as a fan. Uh, as for the NFC Championship itself, you know, it's funny, I, I wrote a column about this the other night. Um, I really wasn't upset. I, I think any realistic fan could have seen this one coming. And, and frankly, for me, um, I had seen this one coming, you know, for a number of weeks. I mean, obviously, you, you look back, you look back at the previous meeting between these two teams, 37 to 8, uh, the 49ers just ran roughshod over Green Bay, and they couldn't get anything going. And this one played out almost identically. I mean, I'm looking at the scoring summaries right now, and uh, I believe it was 23 to nothing uh, at half in the first meeting. And then in the second meeting, it looked like they were, yeah, 27 to nothing at half. So, and the way it played out was just almost identical. It it, it had to have been, you know, just eerie, um, for many of those players to be on the side of a blowout again uh, after being so confident coming into that game. I mean, you heard quotes from Rodgers and Devontae Adams about how they were going to be ready for this one, and particularly Devontae Adams was kind of surprising because then they targeted him, targeted him once in the first half, which I thought was rather surprising, um, especially given the, the way he just took over against Seattle the game before. So that was... Certainly surprising, um, you know, to to see them come out and just get uh, handled in completely the same way. I thought they would. I thought they would keep it close. Quite honestly, I thought um, you know they would come out with a different game plan, get get Adams more involved, get the quick throwing game going because it seems like Rodgers is more most effective uh, when they're getting the quick passing game going and obviously supplementing his passing game with quite a bit of Aaron Jones to mix things up as well. So, um, but, you know, I, I sat there at, in about the second quarter with the game pretty much, you know, well decided at that point. And I, I wasn't shocked to be in that position. I mean, I also think back the the one other game that I was thinking about in addition to the previous 49er game this past season or, or during the regular season, I should say, uh, I was thinking about that Atlanta game in, I believe, uh, 2016, um, where the Packers, you know, they they were on Aaron Rodgers' arm for that, that season. And I remember just how beat up, particularly on the defensive side of the ball, they came into that game going into Atlanta for the NFC Championship game. And uh, I think similarly, I was just hoping they keep it close and that Rodgers can kind of come up with the the plays they need to win the game. And um, you know, I remember uh, Ladarius Gunter, God rest his soul, wherever he's at. I think he's, um, I think he's trying out for the XFL. Last I saw him, but um, he was matched up with Julio Jones and just ate his lunch. I mean, that was not not a close uh, matchup at all, and uh, one or two mistakes offensively by the Packers, and kind of similarly to 
the 49er games is, you know, you get one fumble or one uh, turnover, one three and out, uh, kind of allows that ball to get rolling. And the 49ers just played very impressively as a, as a downhill team. Just Raheem Mostert and that offensive line. I mean, it, you know, take nothing away from Mostert, but um, the the – 49ers just beat the Packers to the point of attack in the running game. I mean, there were there were times where he was going 20, 30 yards downfield without getting touched, and that is a credit to the the 49ers establishing their blocks and the Packers not, frankly, not you know escaping any of those blocks and being able to make those plays. Um, you know, I I think it was a, a situation that you know the Packers had to have seen coming, but I still haven't touched on. The, the one thing that I saw um, a, a week or two prior, I guess this would have been uh, a week before the NFC Championship game, so about two weeks from recording this podcast, but um, the one thing that I saw where I just was like, this is not the Packers year. They do not have the horses to keep up with this team. I have not followed a lot of their games this season. I haven't been as much of an avid NFL watcher outside of Packer games this year. Um, but I, I saw this this game and, and watched a decent amount of it, and it just blew my socks off. And at the same time, I was I was thinking there is not a chance that um, the Packers can keep pace with this team. Um, but the AFC Divisional uh, between the Texans and Chiefs, Kansas City was down twenty four to nothing to the Texans early, and. In in my head, I was honestly starting to think, you know, maybe this is the perfect set of circumstances. Maybe the Texans pull an upset, they show up, you know, uh, becomes a, a Texans-Titans AFC Championship game. Maybe the Packers get lucky against the 49ers, and all of a sudden they have a relatively favorable uh, matchup with either the, the Texans or Titans. Uh, I, I think especially the way the, the 49ers ran all over um, the Packers in retrospect. I think Derrick Henry would have had a field day with that defense, especially if they're allowing him to get the second, get to the second level untouched. Um, but, you know, I, I was thinking maybe maybe there's kind of a perfect storm of circumstances coming here uh, for the, the Packers to have a favorable Super Bowl matchup down the line. And then all of a sudden... Kansas City scores like three times in two minutes or three times in three minutes or whatever it was and end up outscoring the Texans 51-7 to the rest of the way. I haven't seen an offensive an offense take over a game like that uh, or really just a team make a turnaround like that in a number of years and especially in a playoff game. I mean, to be down 24 to nothing, it actually made me think of uh, the Packers-Seattle game um, from I believe 2000, I believe that was 2007. Uh, it was one of Favre's. I think it was one of Favre's last years, or uh, his last year, um, when the Packers uh, fumbled twice. Ryan Grant fumbles twice. They go down 14 to nothing, and then they outscored them like 48 to six the rest of the way, or something like that. They just like completely turned turned the game around. That's the only time I've seen anything remotely um similar to what I saw in that in that Kansas City game. Ironically the Packers did not win the Super Bowl that year, but um I just looked at at that Kansas City output uh against the Texans and I'm like, this is 
this is their year. Uh, I would be shocked if they don't take home, take home the trophy. I think it's Andy Reid's time. Uh, I think the 49ers are going to come prepared and, and you know look to um, look to run the ball down the throats of Kansas City, similarly to the way that they did to the Packers. And I think you know keeping Mahomes off the field it's kind of a football cliche, but you know he they they can't score if he's not on the field. So um, uh, I I think that will be you know a big part of the 49ers game plan. Um, in this one, but I, I honestly, I'm taking the Chiefs. We, we may preview, we may preview the Super Bowl next week. Um, but, uh, this, this one I think is, is going to the Chiefs and I don't think it'll be close. Um, but, you know, say what you will about one game, but I, I, I knew at that point that, um, you know, the Packers were not of that caliber of team that was going to be required to win the Super Bowl this year. So, uh, I thought even if they, you know, escaped the 49ers at that point, um, it, it, the Chiefs were just going to be a juggernaut waiting for them uh, in the Super Bowl. So, um, you know, I think on offense, the Packers uh, need more explosive plays. Uh, they're just, they're just, I don't know, the, the, the offense I saw from the Packers this year, I felt, you know, they were able to sustain drives and stuff like that when they weren't, you know, going three and out at a rate that I think led the league. I think they led the league in, in three and outs. Don't quote me on that. But, um, uh, you know, there was uh, there was just a lack of explosive plays. I just think back to the, the glory years of, you know, hitting Jordy on those play action, uh, those play action passes down the seam, and there just weren't a lot of those type of plays. You had Valdez Scantling that didn't quite ever get on – the same page with Aaron Rodgers as far as those deep passes and um you know there just wasn't quite that connection there I think um Devontae was injured early in the year and I think that affected the chemistry early um and it, it would be great if the Packers could could find a tight end threat and Jimmy Graham I'm sorry he just as far as yards after catch um just was a complete liability this year uh, you know, wasn't wasn't catching balls early, and then once he was finally getting a little bit more of a rapport with Rodgers, it seemed like he would just go down instantly uh, anytime he was making a catch. And I think any good offense relies on, um, you know, the quarterback to obviously make an accurate pass to the receiver in stride for that receiver to then, you know, turn up field and, and gain 5, 10 yards after the catch and sometimes. And, um Jimmy Graham is just not that guy anymore. I think there was a time when he had some yard after catch ability, but uh, he's not outrunning people anymore at this age. And um, I, I vividly remember one play late this season. I can't remember which team it was, but I remember the play vividly uh, where Jimmy makes a catch on, an, on like a five-yard out route and he's turning up field, and, and a, the defender behind him that was guarding him falls, and I, I see nothing but 10 to 15 yards of open space in front of Jimmy to make some yards after catch, pick up a first down, and I'm like finally about to pump my fist. He's making the play. He's going to get some yards after catch, and he trips and falls. And, you know, that was just a summary of the, the yards after catch um you know, ability of Jimmy Graham this year. And I think, I understand why they gave him the opportunities. I think it was one of those 
situations where you got a guy with a big contract um, that is, you know, kind of occupying that spot and you want to get your money's worth out of him. But I think there were some other guys, whether it be Sternberger or even Robert Tanyan, that could have um, made some plays for the Packers in, in those situations. Um, and Mercedes Lewis, I think, is more of a blocking tight end, but he's got some pretty sure hands when given the opportunity as well. Um, so I, I think, you know, as we get into uh, the offseason here, I'm sure we'll have more discussions on the podcast and upcoming episodes about the Packers' needs. But, um, you know, as I saw Travis Kelsey take that game over for Kansas City, um, it, it, it just really showed some lacking some gaping holes that the Packers have as far as playmakers on the offensive side of the ball, uh, guys that can be just reliable targets and, and generate big plays uh, after the catch. So, um, you know, just in summation to kind of look at the, the, the Packers season, I, I think they earned 13-3. and three. I, You know, I, uh, I hesitate to call them frauds. I think, you know, they earned 13-3 and three against the teams that they played. Um but it became apparent that they were not um, what you typically expect a team with 13 wins to be when they face other teams of similar caliber. They were not a top, you know, a top... Uh, despite finishing in the top four, I don't know if they were a top four caliber team as far as being able to compete with the top one or two teams in the league. Um you know, I think they, they beat the opponents they played, and they, they earned every win they got. But, um, you know, the the games against the 49ers were pretty telling about where this team is at in the standing in the league. Um, so that should do it for the first episode of Small Town BS. Thank you so much for tuning in. I appreciate uh, any feedback or thoughts you have on this first episode, anything you'd like me to talk about next week, please hit me up at my Twitter handle. That is at Zach Bellman underscore W-N-Y. That's Z-A-C-B-E-L-L-M-A-N underscore W-N-Y. And we will see you next week for another episode of Small Town BS.